Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 307 of Cyclocross Radio. On this show, we are talking Waterloo World Cup and Trek CX Cup. Great weekend of racing in Wisconsin, and uh, we're going to break it all down in our normal, tangentially chaotic media pit way. Before we get to that, uh, this show brought to you by Hammerhead and the Carew 2 cycling computer. I'm going to keep this simple. This is the, my favorite time of year to ride. It's in, in the mid-Atlantic. It's in the 50s and 60s. It's when it's not raining. It's beautiful out. You can ride for hours. You don't need but so many layers. And it's a great time to explore, to find new routes. The Crew 2 can help you in all of that. It can give you all of the data that you love, but it also great mapping, great GPS. Uh, if you want one of these cycling computers, which I think you do, and now it's the best time to be getting this. We're even thinking about getting it as a gift for somebody. I know it's horrible. It's what, October, November, and we're talking about gifts. But hey, that's the way we work around here. Go to hammerhead.io. Pick the Carew to put it into your cart. Also pick up the heart rate monitor. Put that into your cart. When you check out, use the code CXRADIO and that heart rate monitor is going to be on us. Hammerhead.io. Get the Carew to get the heart rate monitor. Put in the code CXRADIO and the heart rate monitor is free. All right. Uh cyclocross weather you'll hear in there that in in this show that i i got heckled about cyclocross weather all weekend it was glorious thank you thank you all for doing that and mainly because i put out this shirt that said this is real cyclocross weather because uh i i believe all weather is cyclocross weather if you want one of those shirts or uh the wout me worry or vander pole rules shirts go to cxhairsdistro.com and pick one up I'll get that out to you as soon as possible. Been heading to the post office every day. And, uh, yeah, I want you in those shirts. CXRsDistro.com. Wide Angle Podium. You know about that. Become a member of the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. WideAnglePodium.com. It really helps us continue to do what we're doing on a weekly basis. Finally, man. So many things. So much self-promotion here. Uh, CXR's Bulletin. Uh, Zach released his women's elite report from Waterloo World Cup this morning. It's amazing. His photos are great. His write-ups are great. Insights. He's there at the end of the races getting interviews, getting information that you're not going to find anywhere else because we are committed to be on the ground at these events. Please uh, consider subscribing to the CX hairs bulletin you can do that at cxhairs.substack.com i want to just quickly end this intro with acknowledging what we didn't in the episode and that's the passing of zoe clay who was Showing up to these races every week, uh, a mountain biking accident a few weeks ago took her life and no 
bigger message here about this. No safety or advocacy or everything else. Just a acknowledgement of, of, of the loss of this person and, and the sadness that was created from her loss. And, and that's it. I just think that this is happening way too many times and we need to stop and just remember the, the folks who are, are no longer with us uh, when we were picking up the numbers for, for the World Cup in, in Waterloo. Zoe was on that roster. She had made the U.S. team. It was, a, I, I think, a great moment for her. And just seeing that number, I believe she was 29, in the portfolio of U.S. riders unclaimed uh, really hit home for me. Just the tragedy that uh, befell us a couple weeks ago. I believe that number will be going to her family, but it's um, it's hard. <laughs> it's 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 hard to cope with, and and this is this is happening way too much. I mean, under completely different circumstances than the tragedy we all lived through with Magnus White, uh, uh, Zoe Clay, another another one gone too soon. Okay, um, let's get into this episode, which is 307. We're in the media pit with Michael, myself, and Zach talking about all of the things that happened at the Waterloo World Cup. And we're going to do that right now. We're back in the media pit. Uh, it's uh, I'm I'm back in town. Just uh, rolled in about an hour ago. Thirteen hours, not too bad. No traffic. I avoided Chicago, Zach, so that that was good. But uh, yeah, so we we no no Europe to talk about this weekend. No other racing. Just all trek, trek, trek. That's all all we're doing. Waterloo World Cup. Bodie, we're sad that you weren't able to to make the trip did you at least do anything fun or exciting this weekend i did that bill i i did it all i I, driving range on friday saturday and sunday morning bike rides plus catching track cup plus a lot of work packed the days are just packed uh it's fall in new orleans yeah nice no i but i i missed being there and i have enjoyed looking through the photos, especially all the photographer friends and just seeing all the good shots and be like, ah, remembering how fun it is sort of just like, as we've talked about before, just like trying to get those, trying to find that sick angle, your unique angle of the of the venue. And Bill, you got some good ones. Zach, you got some great shots. Um, seeing other photo friends and their amazing shots. So missing the vibes for sure. So I want to ask you guys, like, let me get a Trekland vibe check. How was it out there this year? First, I want to say, but I, I want Zach to answer those. I also want to just say, so Zach, uh, also very busy, but was able to make it there for Sunday. But Friday and Saturday, I mean, Madison misses Zach Schuster. That's all I'll say. I was walking around and I couldn't go. Well, two two <laughs> things happened to me. First, first was 
is Zach coming? That that was question number one. I would get. I'm gonna go. Yeah, he'll be here. Be here he'll be here Sunday. And then second, second, because it was raining on on Friday, so I could not walk ten feet without somebody saying, "Is this real cyclocross weather?" And it was almost <laughs> like just on 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 on. I had it on just uh, auto repeat. I'd be like, "It always is. It always is cyclocross weather. Any weather you have, it's cyclocross weather." But what I will say that I enjoyed it. Thank you for the heckling. It was very nice. I'm glad that you all at least understand the shirt. Now you should buy it. Go, go to cxairsdistro.com. Go buy a, this is a real cyclocross weather. And then you too can heckle me the next time you see me about cyclocross weather. That was a tangent. Zach, Bodhi wants to know about the vibes. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess to be like a little serious for a sec, sec uh, for a second, I think I always struggle with this race because, I mean, Madison is my home and it's certainly my bike home, and I don't live there anymore, and it's it's hard. I think going back, I mean, it was great seeing so many familiar faces and like so many hugs, and uh, but just realizing that like yeah, you have a lot of great memories there, and you know maybe you didn't want to leave, and it's it's always hard for me to go back, but it's also really nice to see the familiar faces. Uh, Travis Gruco, you know him as the pickle. He was heckling me, <laughs> uh, getting the photographer heckle. I think actually that is really what makes me feel home. Is I love when we're walking down the start straight. And Bill, you know, you've gotten it too, where we get heckled. Um, so Travis, I, I don't know if he listens to this, but I really appreciate it. That made me feel like I was at home uh, getting getting the photographer heckles. Uh, it was great. I mean, I, I think, again, uh, Trek does a great job with this event. I was talking to, uh, I think his name was Marcus, and he's in events, and I think he's been there for a year and a half. And I was like, bro, <laughs> he's like, what do you think of the event? And I was like, bro. I've been racing this event since 2013. I started volunteering at this race in 2014. I've been covering it for six years. Like this event is money. It's so good. He's like, well, we can improve. I'm like, you're fine. (laughs) Um, It was just kind of, it was interesting talking to someone who doesn't have the history of like 10 plus years of, of coming to this race now. And it was interesting to talk to him. Yeah. I, I sort of had the, the, not the same experience because I never lived there, but uh, it, it just, it, it does feel like a homecoming every year going to this race. Now it's our only World Cup, so that, that makes it special as well. It's the one race that you're going to see more people at, just from people racing to people from Europe coming over to, yeah, all the all the media folks that, that were in town. I can tell you that, to answer your question, Bodie, about, about the vibes, um, a little, maybe... 20 to 30% concern on Friday because Friday has been, you know, pretty big in the past and it is a C2 race. So it's a UCI race. Uh, it was sparsely attended, but I think that was probably more of a, um, result of it being like 42 degrees and raining nonstop than, than anything else. It was miserable. It was just like, just tough. Tough conditions. Tough conditions to stand out there for uh, four races. I I, yeah, I I was very happy I wasn't there for that day. Uh, the 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 live stream on on Sunday, I was like, it looks really nice. Um, and I did see Adam Coble, a photographer, um, posting that he was buying waterproof shoes on Friday, and I was like, classic classic Bodie move. I have done the same thing in. And around Waterloo. Yeah. And, so. and and didn't need them by Sunday. So it was Friday. It was just like 
pretty much just a sheet of rain all day long, which uh, was actually racing conditions weren't so bad because it's it's the type of since it was raining, bikes were getting clean. They were they were sort of self cleaning out there. So not as many bike changes on Friday because mud wasn't wasn't uh, you know collecting on people's wheels and in their components as much just just with the rain. Saturday, different story. Often on rain and like just soupy muddy conditions, and that was I think the biggest mud day was Saturday for the just the uh, USAC races, and then. Sunday, I don't. I'm having a hard time describing what Sunday was. Zach, conditions wise, I I like it because it was kind of a little bit muddy, but it was sunny and nice out. By the end of the day, we were all like, you know, had shed all of our layers and were in t-shirts, which was awesome. But um, kind of a difficult, maybe it's still kind of fast, but also kind of muddy. It was it was some some tricky conditions, I think, on Sunday. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, you pull into the parking area, and it was like. Really grateful to have my four-wheel drive Honda HRV because it was like, it was muddy. I mean, there were like, I saw a van getting pushed because it was stuck. And I was like, oh man, this is going to be wild. And then I ran into you and you're like, going to be the fastest race ever. This is hero dirt. And I was like, well, that doesn't jive. This was before I think I'd really seen the course. I'm like, that's not what I experienced in the parking lot, bro. Like, (laughs) I was again, glad to have four-wheel drive, but it was like, it was weird because it, it, tacked up but it was still dicey like like no one had any confidence in any of the corners and you just saw riders like in slow motion at times navigating these corners because you just didn't know like it was weird it was like there was still like some film of slickness on this hard packed clay and it was weird you know it was really weird hard to describe it wasn't thick it wasn't like super trudgy in most places, but you look at a lot of those corners, like just go back and watch the video of like how ginger, a lot of these riders gingerly, a lot of these riders took these corners and it made for really interesting dynamics. And it also just kind of blew up the fields. I think it made it really, this is a course where it's hard to have team or group racing in a lot of cases, because there's a lot of corners. There's a lot of off camber. You get off your, unless you're T-Bone Ness, get off your bike a lot. Uh, and it just seemed like even, you know, when you had like uh femme puck and Celine riding together, like they weren't riding together. It was everyone. It was one of those where you're riding, but you're not together. Cause you're battling the course more than yourself. That's kind of what it looked like to me. I just look at the, uh, the live stream of, of Sunday. It seemed like it was unique in the sense that this was an American race because you did have, all the stuff that Saturday that was super muddy and all the footsteps everywhere. And then on Sunday it dries out with the wind attacks up and you have some smooth lines and then they've got to cross the dried out foot, you know, footprints, which is sort of a, yeah, super treacherous. And you could see that in the line choices, um, that some of the riders are taking just, do you go to the smooth long way or do you try to cut across the, Pockhold, you know, middle track. So yeah, it was, um, it looked not fun. Well, it was also since they changed the course. So they do have the, like the, the run up, the first time the run up was open at all was on Sunday. So that was pristine. And then you had factory Hill, the same thing. Right. They, they didn't even allow the UCI, the, the world cup riders to 
session, the factory hill on Saturday, it was all closed down. Every pro section was closed down. The first time they had, they got to look at them was on Sunday. So those were all like super clean, but, but you're right, Bodie, in that the Friday races. So like your entrance into factory hill is a right turn and then you go down and then you come back up. The problem is that for two straight days, in rainy, muddy conditions, everybody was making a hard left turn on on that turn without going down a factory hill. So there was still that big left-handed rut that then everybody in the World Cups had to like sort of roll over and then go down to drop in, which wasn't a huge deal. It just wasn't, you know, there weren't any smooth lines there. You're basically going against the grain of what had already been established for for two races, but you know, it, it, the, the secret bar that run up that area, which I think everybody was still riding fast. And the, then the stone little stone wall was pretty chewed up, but I think once it was soft enough that, that lines got established in there, but yeah, that, that is, that is something that's definitely unique. A couple things unique about it. One unique in that you have all of these races. So it is torn up a little more than most, World Cup courses. The other part of it is um, European riders still haven't grasped that there are other races happening before the World Cup races are happening. So the uh, uh, the, the women's uh, one-two race had some guest riders in there from uh, from Europe, some <laughs> men men in there uh, uh, racing at the front of that race with them, which. Um, not the best, but a little uh, an interesting look. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I just think it's you know they just don't they don't understand that that's because it's it's something they never never have to deal with. Uh, that's a you know I you mentioned that though I think that um, I, I'm curious to my friends in the uh, the Wisconsin Cyclocross Series, great series. I think they have 15 races this year. Uh, you know, how much it costs to get Sven Ness to just be hyping uh, your series to all of his followers. I think, you know, I think there was a lot of talk, right, leading up to this race about the travel and, you know, um, the, the sauces showed up, but the sauce boss, you know, he did his part to bitch because that's that's what he'd do. Um, you know, and I, I, it was interesting that Sven was just, you know, he was he was hyping the fact that there's so many races. You know, he's talking about the number of races, the amateur races that go on here. And then he was hyping the local series. And I just thought it was, you know, interesting. He's obviously been a proponent. Like, he has a vested interest in promoting cyclocross in America. And he's certainly done his part. Uh, but it was just kind of an interesting, it's always an interesting uh, antidote to kind of the, the, the inevitable uh, complaints that we get every year when this happens from the Europeans. The complaints about the cost, I think he was saying 25 to 30,000 euros to bring his team over. And then the complaints from all of the North American team managers who are like, yes, that's exactly right. That is the cost. That's what we have to do four times a year. So you get off easy. So shut up. But it's it's the same thing that it's, since there have been World Cups in America, the same conversations have been going on where we don't want to go to America because it's too expensive. And the Americans saying, you don't understand. Every time we go to Europe, we have to do this. So shut up. So <laughs> so in that part, it was like a normal World Cup experience. So it's happy, happy to see that, that, you know, we were playing all the playing all the greatest hits. Uh, quickly want to uh, just 
I think we should take a, just a second, I've, since I was the only one there to actually see it, and uh, talk about Friday uh, quickly, just since it was a C2 race. And the women's side, kind of interesting. Uh, Zoe Backstead, who we've seen, now Zach, you were able to see her race last weekend, still looking really good. I think even Zoe will be the first to say, and I think Magnus was saying the same thing, her um uh, uh, race strategy is basically go out as hard as she possibly can, get as big as lead as she possibly can. So if she makes mistakes, she'll be fine. I think she actually told you that, Zach. Right? She sort of tipped her tipped her uh, cards um, in uh, Indy. Did the same thing here. I mean, just like took off, had a nice gap, um, and uh, Sherman Anroy was able to track her down. And it was interesting too because she was down about fifteen seconds. And they went into the woods, and they came out of the woods, and uh, Shireen was was ahead. And no mechanical, no crash, nothing. Just kind of caught her, passed her, and then that was kind of the race. So, uh, I mean, Enroy won, Zoe was second, Man and Backer was third, and then Clara two minutes down from Shireen and a minute down from Manon in fourth place. And then Isabella Holmgren, um, uh, in fifth place. Uh, but again, rainy conditions, but interesting just to see Shireen, I think have a, not a great start, but able to kind of gut it out and do it, which was kind of interesting. Cause when we get to Sunday, you know, which I guess we can just say now cause she wasn't a factor in it. She, um, she didn't finish. She wasn't, uh, wasn't feeling well. So I don't know. If it was Friday's race had anything to do with that, did you were you able to talk to her at all, Zach? No. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah, she I think she was there for maybe I think she did like two laps or so, and then I didn't see her anymore. Uh in the men's race. Uh this was a this this was a good little um I think uh foreshadowing of what we were gonna see. Pim Ronhar. Uh you know we always talk about the the Lions. Um getting the rookies out there to have to have to do the, uh, the Friday's race. Uh, it was, uh, Pim and, uh, Haverdings and was that it? I think it was just those two, uh, for the lions who were out, who got, um, Friday duty for them. I think Lars was signed up and Tebow was signed up, but both of them didn't, didn't race, which was kind of funny because, um, I love it. I'm, I love that people get into cyclocross or even just people who are, probably Trek employers, employee, yeah, employees who are out there watching the race and they're seeing the guys and the kits that they know are for the team that they sponsor. And they're like, were they calling Pim Tebow? No, better than that. They were calling Pim Lars. <laughs> I'm like, not even close. Hey, one Pim's like a foot taller than him. Different color hair. Lars yeah. has this sweet looking redneck mustache going. Right I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned the mustache because I read about that. <laughs> I, so I will say, and, in, in, and, their, in their and he has a Dutch national kit on. So in their defense, we have a tradition that we started in Wisconsin cyclocross. Uh, Isaac Neff runs a, a bike service. You know, he's 
like the guy that you take your bike to and he has a team and his team is huge. And so we call every single person wearing a Neff cycle service kit, whether it be in the cat four or five, the masters 55 plus we yell go Isaac at every single person in a Neff cycle service kit. So there is a tradition to do that in Wisconsin. Well, if anything, Lars, you know, by proxy won that race, uh, in the body of Pim Ronhar, uh, Pim looked great. He, he was just flying around there. It didn't even look like he was um, maybe going 100% and won that race by uh, close to two minutes. Haverdings uh, held on for second. Eric Bruner was out there, two minutes 41 down from the winner in third place. Curtis got fourth, another minute down from Curtis. And uh, local boy, Caleb Swartz, uh, really nice race. Uh, he, was, he was on Curtis's wheel the whole time uh, in fifth place. And again, this was, you know... In a in a downpour as well, big muddy race. The, the these races, the one thing I will say about them that you know may not be a good. Um, you can't really judge what's going on there. It was a running race. I think they ran hmm. probably half of the course. I mean, it was it was it was to the point that you know whatever the rule is, you can't have more than twenty percent running or whatever. That was like that rule was broken. Of no fault of anybody. There's nothing they could do. It's just like every everything that was rideable just just became a run by the end of the day. Yeah, I'm still I, I wanted to say I was envisioning uh I was envisioning like Lars and Yoris and Tebow just they were on the start list and then they just wake up on Friday morning and hear the pitter patter of the rain and they just nope. They were just like pour themselves a nice coffee and like they're like, What are we what are we gonna do today? Maybe get out the rollers, I'm even gonna go outside. You know, I just envisioned them not even getting close to thinking about racing <laughs> once they saw the conditions. <laughs> I, I, I will say this, and I have I have absolutely zero intel, just just my observations of, of watching that that team operate, and maybe maybe the mustache comes into play here. Lars Lars looking like he's uh or uh, um vying for a, a position in management. It was kind of cool. He was he was doing a lot of team team leadership there, even logistically, even making sure everything was set up, making sure people were where they're supposed to be. I I I, I think it's actually kind of cool. It really looks like he's a guy that's going to stay in the sport and maybe vying for some position with the uh, Lions and in, in that regard going forward. I again, no idea. This is just out of out of what I was observing. Expect nothing less from GC Lars. Well, speaking of GC Lars, I just, you know, apparently the mustache is there until he fulfills his GC Lars duties and gets a win. Were you trying to make the mustache happen last year? Was that last year? The you weren't you trying to make the Lars the Schnur? Wasn't that a thing? It's a good look. I think he should keep it. (laughs) I forgot about that. I feel like that was Elizabeth, maybe. I don't know. That sounds familiar. We have so many bits. It's hard to keep track of all them. But uh, Elizabeth, did you did you do the mustache thing? There was something like that. Yeah. Okay. I think it looks good, too. I think he should win and keep the mustache. Come on, man. Come on, Lars. You're the old guy. You got to differentiate yourself from the rest of the youngsters and your teammates. Having the mustache makes you stick out. You're not just another generic Dutchman. There were two, uh, two other UCI races on Friday. <laughs> Oh, were they, Bill? <laughs> yeah, they're junior races. Uh, men's junior, well, actually, women's junior race. Let's see. Uh, Alyssa Sarkisov won. Lydia Kuzak was second, and uh, Lily Sonneman, another another local hero, in in third place there. 
Wait, can Bodhi start an entire hashtag? It's Snor Vanderhaar. <laughs> he started. You started a hashtag for it. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt Wait, you hyping your team, Bill. I, I apologize. Okay, <laughs> I had to go to the tape. How did you find that? I, I went to Twitter and I just, I just. I did Atland softly mustache, and it was the first thing that came up. It was it was last November. It hasn't even been a year that you tried to make this happen. Okay, well, this is Zach. Thank you, because now I'm going to try. I'm going to lean into this with Lars. Did he grow a mustache last year? What what's the deal? All right, you're Zach. You're my biggest hype man. I appreciate that. Twice. CXD track bikes uh, sweeping the women's junior field, and then uh, Miles Matter, and also CX. The Trek bikes winning the uh, men's junior field. James Hal- Halverson in second. Really, he, he, he that kid can run. He had a good race, uh, Minnesota, and then uh, Calvin Con- uh, Conaway in third for the junior elite. Didn't your didn't the entirety of your squad roll the women's one two race on Sunday as well? Uh, so Lily won that race and. Um, uh, Libby got third. Yeah, it's good. Quite the weekend for quite the weekend CXD for track the, bikes. Yes, we did all right. All right. Um, World Cup. Should we talk about the World Cup? All right. I just want to say, broadcast corner. Surprise to tune on the Flow Bike stream and have Steve Schlanger call on the race. And so he, I think he did, he's, you know, he's, Steve Sanger has been around for a while. I, I'm more familiar with him doing other sports and like, I think Olympics and just, he's kind of, I, I realized I got a Facebook memory where, uh, from Trek, the Waterloo World Cup in 2018, Voss and Ellen Noble. And there was this part where they're going down Factory Hill and, and, and Voss dabs. And then, um, I'm right there taking a photo of it. And I like screenshotted this, the, the, the live stream and like shared it with my friends. Steve is calling that race. I didn't realize. So like, I didn't know that he had history with Waterloo and calling these races. Just very shocked to hear him on flow. Also all by himself. Uh, he, he did the, he would, he used to do, I think when it was on NBC, he did cross Vegas. Right. So the, that was an NBC broadcast in 2018, which I, kind of forgotten that the world cups were on NBC sports gold. It's feels like it's, it was it's always been on flow. So anyway, that was, that was sort of like the, it was interesting to jump into that and be like, Whoa, Steve. Okay. Like where's, where's Marty? Where's J Powell? Where's all right. We're rolling with Steve today. Okay. Well, you wouldn't have gotten them unless you had your VPN and jumped on GCN. Right. Exactly. And then I, I did watch a GCN highlight. I'm like, God, that's where Marty's at. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to add that in since you guys were there. You didn't get the uh, anything else. How did I, I, as I said, I just, just, just got home from, from, uh, driving from Wisconsin. Like now I haven't looked at anything. How was, how did, how did everything look? I think it's fine. I mean, it was, it's, it's the one thing I noticed about the course and I don't know that course is, is, can be kind of serpentine on itself and like can be hard to move around. And we've talked about this before. Um, and so, but I've been there enough that I can, I kind of know like where everything's at. It seems there's a bunch of sort of just added like zigzags, like gate areas, or am I, is that, 
like it just it seemed like they were, it reminded me of that one Euro race was it in like Italy where it was just like a ton of barriers and like flat a lot of barriers and like a bunch of just like S turns after each other like the one place that they added that was after the little the little hump thing that okay. goes yeah. into pit 2 they added a little like yeah, Serpentine S. I think, Zach, that was the only really new addition of extra fencing. I think they've been adding just a bunch of junk turns in that field that comes right before the section that you're talking about. I think yeah. that... Yeah, you're right. You it know, it seemed like there was some, some more some more uh, small kidney action in the, in there. Yeah, because... Small, small intestines, excuse me. Small intestines action in there. Yeah, and I mean, it's like... I, I get it because I think they're afraid of the lap being too short, but then you have like a situation like Friday where your laps were plenty long and, you know, lap times were, were long enough. I think, I don't know, that was always my criticism uh, of that course is that they struggle to put in good power sections, that it's a lot of corners because it is tight. I mean, for example, two races, I didn't even hit 10,000 steps. Like that's unheard of for me for a cyclocross race. Like it's so serpentine. You know, and there's places like the secret bar that you just cannot get to as right. a photographer. It's like you're stuck in this very narrow. And it's great from spectating because you can move around. And I think to their credit, I think they did a much better job putting in more course crossings. I felt less constricted. I feel like two years ago, I felt like I literally I remember one point throwing my hands up because I was just stuck in Metal Gate hell. Like I didn't know. I literally just wanted to go like 10 feet over this way. And I was just like, I can't get there. Um, so I think they've really taken that to heart and made it a more accessible course for spectators, but also for us. I got six shots in the first lap. <laughs> Start. Yep. Uh, off camber. Mm-hmm. Um, little humpy thing. Uh, planks. Oh, no, I think steps, planks, and then I was able to run and get them uh, coming back towards Factory Hill again. So five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's nice because you can insane. you can do humpy thing. You can do That's like humpy thing. Like, yeah. And then playing for yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's they've really dialed it in. Which I, makes which makes it if you if you have to you know make sure you get coverage for certain people. It's it's definitely a de stressor knowing that you're like okay, I got at least this in my back pocket, and now I can go in there and figure out what else I want to do. So that that I can't complain about that that part of the of the of the layout. And it also it's it's interesting too because it's like it's really condensed. And I think that what happened this year, and, you know, we we can talk about this now. Just sort of crowd size. I, I think that we were discussing it a little bit in the green room, and Zach and I were uh, debating. But I think we came came to the same conclusion. Not the most people who've ever been there, you know, but definitely by the men's race, I think people were still coming in and uh, a good crowd, a good crowd by the men's race. And one thing that that with the extra course crossings, what this they've been able to create here is a place where people can congregate, which I love. So there are definitely sections of this course that the crowd went to. So I I really don't remember. I'll have to look at my photos again, but I was shooting the planks and 
behind it, it's two or three deep all the way around in a bowl, which looks really nice. You're like, that's a legit crowd. When you, uh, went over to that little hump, it would be lined up on both sides. You went to the secret bar. It was like jam packed. Yeah. The steps or people lined up on either side and then everybody knows to go to the finish. And then you just got those great finish shots. You know, even I try, I, Bodie, I try, I tried to, I tried to stage manage, um, UCI was not having it, but we were on the crowd side and I was like, can't we just be on the other side at the finish so we can shoot the crowd instead of shooting the place where the crowd's not allowed. But yeah, we were, we weren't allowed to go over there, but Zach, Zach, uh, keeping, keeping his tradition alive, uh, shot from behind has a, has a nice shot on the bulletin of, of the, the entire, the entire crowd that was there, which was good. I did notice that, that you were last year, you were on the other side. I was like, take the crowd and they're going to move them over this way. Uh, yeah. And shout out to I, on our Instagram, uh, Ethan Glading uh, or the, what do we call him? He is the official European correspondent of the CX Harris bulletin. He had shots from behind from 17 and 18. And I was like, that was great. Cause in 2018 was kind of like the iconic one that Robert Clark shot for cyclocross magazine with tone arts. And uh, if you're ever in Waterloo, I assume it's still in Chad Brown's office, but that was kind of, but then Ethan had them too. I was like, this is great. We have six years now, six years of taking that photo, which I just, I love that it's, it's a tradition. And I talked to some folks and they're like, where's Zach? And they're like, you know where Zach is? He's by the Shimano sign at the finish of the races. Like, just oh, go yeah, look down on the ground you. there. We saw you on the broadcast. <laughs> I, you know, that, I just kind of realized, and it's obvious, but like, that's such a perfect finish setup for a great photo to have the incline behind the finish line. Um, that's such a cool thing. I want to know what do you guys think? And this is kind of jumping ahead, but we're talking about it. Tebow's celebration, the one hand frame height hoist is that i think it, it shows you that you're getting a really light bike if you buy uh if you buy a boon <laughs> that's what i was thinking <laughs> it's easy like there are trophies that weigh more than that right the cobble at roubaix probably weighs more than that 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 one boon so i i also i mean he, he's all i mean we, we've all seen him and sven working out and uh <laughs> doing their whole whole body <laughs> mobility and all that kind of stuff but i i will say it is a it's a bit of a baller move. It's 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 something you have to have confidence in because just just think how easily that could have gone wrong. Yeah, but you know, with him, it's like, of course, it doesn't. It's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be perfect, and it it was it was pretty impressive. Is that a sign that maybe we should talk about the men's race first? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, the, I guess the only other thing because you were talking about the course changes, the the only other I think. Big change. Uh, Factory Hill just uh, kind of diminished. You know, they, yeah. They, what they did... just they just made it a little lollipop, and then I think you didn't even have to climb from all the way at the bottom. It was almost like halfway up. So I, uh, I don't know about you, Zach. I didn't even go. I, I looked at it, and I was like, it just doesn't look interesting. So I didn't even shoot it. Uh, I went there. They took away. There was kind of a. There used to be a spot where you could get some sweet photos, like as they're going down the hill. But they just they fenced that off. You just had. Where I saw you on the ground, I have a shot of you actually laying on the ground, and I took a photo right over your shoulder. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like from a photo standpoint. I know I had one of Lucinda Brand from a couple of years ago that I really liked, that I thought was a photo that, but it just weren't those opportunities. Um, so yeah, evolution of uh, Trek Factory Hill. Um, 
Man, that that elite men's race. I mean, like, so to set the story, set the stage, uh, you know, you guys might know this because uh, I may have talked about it or you read in the bulletin. But uh, so this was year six uh, coming into the elite men's race. There had been 11 World Cup races. And this is really a home away. F- this is a home race for the Lions. Like, I, I can just tell you talking to Ailey Ezerbeet, he's like, we come to America, we want to win. They want to win. Everyone, they, as much as their teams say stuff, every single rider wants to win a World Cup in America. They love America. They love racing here. It means a lot. But for the Lions, like, this is the home turf. You know, Trek was a presenting sponsor and now they're a title sponsor. Like you've got Sven, you know, intertwined with Trek for over a decade now as the team manager. So coming into this elite men's race, how many times had a lion won on home turf? Well, we know they didn't beat Steve Chanel Steve. No, no, no. Oh, sorry. In a world cup. In a world I'm cup. just talking about world there, cup. There have been six. Six. So 11. There were 11 coming into when we hit the start line at mid-afternoon because the the women's race had finished. There had been 11 races. Okay. Okay. So so I was just going to do the men because I can do that math easier. Okay. Men, I would say three. One. Oh. So that's just that tone. That was it. Tone Arts in 2018. Vanderpool won in 17. Tone Arts. And then Ailey Ezerby. Ailey Ezerby rolled them three years in a row. I mean, okay. he, was on a, he was on a winning streak. Um, yeah, I was, the I women, was surprised to, to, women, to hear that. Two? Zero. Zero. Lucinda never won. Nope. Hmm. Uh, 2017 was Sonicant. 2018. 18 was Mariana Voss. 2019 was Katerina Nash. 2021 was Mariana Voss. And 2022 was Femme Van Empel. And, you know, spoiler alert, 2023 was Femme Van Empel. So I, my, my point is, is that the Lions were due guys. I mean, they were getting their shit. And to get your shit rocked by Ailey Ezerbeet repeatedly just had to sting. You know, I mean, he's the nemesis. He's the most likable, unlikable man in cyclocross. Um, so I, to me, that sets the stage. Like, I think the lions had a giant collective chip on their shoulder. Uh, but Michael, I also think that they were best equipped. I I think this was really with the exception of the year that Wout was dead, uh, because he was getting sued. I really think this was like, they were best equipped this year to have a good team effort. Don't you think? I think so. I mean, we think we saw a Last week, coming in, so just thinking about Baron, seeing what you were, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. coming into this race, yeah. yeah. We, we, I mean, nice wins. We have GC Lars and we have Ron Hart, who is coming into himself. So, I, I think, I mean, right away, I talked about last week was that it was exciting to have more folks at Trek and the men's, sorry, more men on the Trek team at the front of the race that we could sort of work against Ellie and Mikey. And you know, Sauce tried to pull their shit right away. Uh, I swear. Mikey V sat up like in that first lap and Pim said, no, uh, he, the writer Rohan was like, I'm, 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 I'm closing that down. And, uh, you know, like I, when you said not equipped, I thought you were going to say that yeah, Trek had better shoes. Um, that, the <laughs> which also was a big factor, uh, in this race. But I, I think, I mean, Let's get right to it, right? The 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 deciding factor, or the sort of the big sort of shock right away, was that Nice could ride 
I've asked this before, loading dock hill, the Trek run up. Like I was looking on the map, like does it? Oh, isn't it, it the Segafredo run up? We called it. The, you know what? I think it has a name. We used to call it the loading dock run up back in the day before you know before it was a World Cup. But I think it is. Isn't it the Segafredo? Oh, but they're not probably sponsored not by them anymore. anymore. I mean, <laughs> maybe it's the Lidl, the Lidl run up, the Lidl run up. I like I right. like Lidl run up. Yeah, just the Lidl run up. And and the whole the the you know talking about home home race the whole uh, Lidl Trek team was there too cheering cheering them on. Yeah. I mean, and and that's the the one thing when I saw Tebow come down to make that turn to go to the run up. The first thing I thought was, "Oh yes, he crashed here really hard." I forgot what year it was and broke his collarbone. Uh, I guess that was was that twenty twenty two years ago. Twenty twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was like, but obviously, like that is not. I mean, I guess it wasn't wet. I think it was probably what was it wet that time maybe. Um, so just the fact that he could do that was, I think that was also, I think this was actually also a difference in the women's race, the, the, the small amount of like actual racing we had in those first two laps, Femme was faster on the run up and, um, Tebow was faster on the run up this time. And it, I think this became a factor in the race, which I don't know that we've seen it be a factor before. So it's always good when it sort of doesn't go by the usual script. Should we talk about shoes first? Uh, well, first, actually, Bodie, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, you're you're a resident road guy, and we saw the deployment of GC Lars at Beringen, and we saw really, you know, Pim Ronhar, I, I think there was decidedly team tactics. First, he's the domestique who chases down the break. You know, he does that. And then, you know, he attacked twice uh, in that second slash third lap. They sent him off the front. I mean, do you think that, do you, give me your assessment of the Lion team tactics. And do you think that we're going to legitimately see them doing what we always thought like the sauces were doing? I mean, I think that it's, if the opportunity presents itself specifically like that, then yeah. I mean, why not? Why don't you do that? Um, if you see the, the guy who's won three times in a row, uh, have an issue you attack again and you know you might be kind of dead but you might as well go ahead and do it and i think it worked out really well um and yeah yeah you gotta do it pim pim's cup let's do it yeah i i mean i i think two races in i i was impressed i mean it seemed like a decided team tactic thing and they it worked you know i mean ailey his shoe broke (laughs) um but i I, I don't know. I, what I was impressed by, I think, Bill, you call attention to this, and you know, you're our, our F1 guy. I mean, give me the breakdown in the pits of that shoe change, because uh, it was probably the least painful shoe change I've ever seen. Well, yeah, so, Ailey, do we know how it happened? We think I, you the know, run-up, right? Or no? So, uh, my theory is he dabbed on the corner right before pit one, in that third lap, like I, he like slipped out and put his foot down. And then he said, by the time he got to the run up, it was broken. Okay. So I don't know. That's my theory is that some sort of boa strike occurred, uh, you know, on one of those corners. Again, these corners where riders were slipping out, putting foot down. It was just like, you didn't know what to do, but that's just my theory. So this was a, yeah. So right shoe malfunction. Uh, it's, it's, a couple things here. Like we've seen Boa issues every season to the point that part of your pit kit at this point is now an extra pair of shoes. Like you can't go, 
you'd have your three bikes and your extra pair of shoes that are sent off with the mechanics to the pits so that they're ready for it that that we knew for the last couple of years and a lot of it is these just continued issues that uh folks have with with those those uh ratchets uh, and what impressed me this year was ailey's shoe exchange is that this is such a known issue now that he practiced this like this wasn't a oh crap i have to change shoes we almost never do this i it's just gonna be a struggle it's like up oh, shoe change i got this we were doing this in practice you know we were doing we were riding the planks we were working on our shouldering and we were changing our shoes in the pits those were the things we're doing at cyclocross practice on wednesday evenings and he rolled in there and it was almost like at a, a, a triathlon, he already had his right shoe off <laughs> while he was still rolling in. Like he hadn't come to a stop. The, the shoe was off. By the time he hit the ground, the other shoe was already there waiting for him. He slipped into it. I'll give him a couple points off because I think he had a couple, you know, by the time he was like re-ratcheting the boas, I think he, he probably lost about a second there. But I haven't put a clock to it, but I would say, six seconds maybe for the whole the whole shoe change which uh isn't isn't so bad and then back on there but that was that that was just my takeaway from that scene that was like this has gotten to a point that that people don't have confidence in these shoes that they have to as part of their preparation have the shoe exchange as part of the practice bill are you are you is this going to go in the book then? Skills, drills, and belly aches edition you know, two? At this point, I was like, do we really need a second edition? But I just think on shoe exchange alone, skills, di- drills, and belly aches, yeah, uh, second edition has to has to be done just, just for the, the shoe exchange. We're going to have to get right. powers out of retirement to, to, <laughs> to show us shoe, shoe exchange technique. All right. So we did the shoe. We've got the hill. And I have to say, I've done, I've written 500 race reports in my life. Uh, if you're a subscriber of the bulletin, you should be. I'm really one of my best cold opens ever for a race report. I was really proud of what I achieved uh, for this elite men's race because uh, there's a lot of things. But, you know, there's you haters from the coasts, uh, you know, East Coast, West Coast, who are like, oh, the Midwest, it's so flat. Nothing interesting ever happens there. There's no hills, whatever. Well, I have to say that the the, the Ness family would 100% disagree. So they've been coming to the Midwest for a long time. And so I'm sure some of you folks remember 2017, it's September, back when Twitter didn't suck. We see this video of Sven Ness hopping the notorious Chicago, like 18 foot high barriers and riding up the side of a staircase and riding to the top in a men's cat four or five race, which was the best part. <laughs> Breaks the internet. I mean, I, one of the all time highest trafficked posts, you know, for the, at Cyclocross Magazine in the two and a half years I was there, like everyone watched this, right? So it was just iconic. Sven Ness like broke the internet. Everyone watched it. Like just, it was huge. Uh, so, you know, there was a, honestly, that's like the only hill there. <laughs> it's like, there's not really much of a hill there, um, but it worked in this case. But so then in 2019, um, you know, the day before the Trek cup, uh, a then 16 year old Thibaut Ness on Instagram stories, just casually drops that he's just riding 
the then Segafredo run up, just run up it. No big deal. You're like, what the, whoa, this kid is, this kid is 16. Uh, so that was four years ago, four years in the making folks, four years in the making for this young man to win a world cup. I, I, amazing. I, I like, could you, you couldn't do it any better. Like dude's been, pra- the, he was ready for this moment. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. And speaking, you know, Tebow wins world cup. Uh, Tebow has won. Tebow is, <laughs> how do you phrase this? Tebow won a world cup, an elite world cup before his father did. That's how I say. It. I think, I think, uh, nice was might've been 23. Tebow is 20. Um, so I also, I, I forgot he's only 20 still. I, and we talked, even talked this last week, like sort of this, because he was doing this in 2017, it just kind of seemed like that he was just going to come immediately on the scene and, and just be so dominant. But like, it took a few years and he's only 20 and he won a world cup before his father did. Here, That's pretty phenomenal. I'm going to go back to F1 because this is just a funny argument theory that, that Sven can say, well, there weren't as many World Cups back then, which is kind of funny since it was the first one that he won. So that argument really doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Sven was even racing elite races at, at the age of 20, but a uh, different, different time. Yeah, I think so, it's, I mean, I... That's not to take anything away. It's an impressive result. It was great. It was great to see the emotion at the end with Sven and Tebow. I, you know, oh, it's so like, good. Th- yeah, and you're like, well, yeah. It's just it's, it's sometimes you know we get jaded into thinking like, does this really even mean anything to these guys, or is it just like oh, I've won everything else, just another race? No, it, it you know you could see it. it. It certainly meant something to both of them. Yeah, I mean, I think Bodie, what you're describing, I think you're right. Tebow Nass had all of the hype and. It's probably unwarranted, right? It's like being Bronny James, <laughs> like just really unfair the amount of hype that this this kid had, and you know. Then we, but we also have like within our memory, everyone's memory of like Wout Machu winning at age nineteen. Matt, right? Machu was like nineteen or eighteen, like when he won his first world championship. Like they were they were just rolling the elite field as children. Um, we're like, man, he's not going to be that great. You forget he's 20 years old. And I think even he was saying that he he felt like he really came into his own. He talked about in his post-race interview, just he feels like he leveled up this summer. And I think that's what we're seeing. And I think it was unfair. And I can only imagine the pressure he was facing back in Belgium. But like to have that pressure to be like, you must advance on this Wout and Machu timeline instead of like coming to your own as you can. And like, I mean, he looks amazing right now. And so I think it's just really cool to see that with all of the scrutiny that he's faced, that he's been able to like, tr- he's been able to trust the process bill and it's really paying off now. Here's, here's the, here's the, the talk about pressure on a kid. So what year did the Sven movie come out? I know it was, it was cross Vegas. It had to be like, Hmm. 15 or six. I mean, he was a young junior, right? So the year that that came out, I interviewed Sven and I was asking him about Tebow and I was like, well, you know, is there any pressure for him to do anything? And Sven's like, no, if he wants to go play football and do that, he's good. He can go do that. That's fine. He can do whatever he wants. I'm like, all right. And then that night we go to the premiere and the last of this movie that is basically Sven's final year of his career when he's moved to track and winning world cups, you know, just like sort of this 
fairy tale ending to his career. And it part of that is like these cinematic shots of him like riding through these fields. I don't know what the crop is, but through it. And then the last one, it's just sort of transitions and it's now Tebow riding through the field, like sort of picking up his legacy when he's like 15 years old, maybe. And I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, I trust what you say you believe in your heart that he can, it, whatever he wants to do is fine with you. But at the same time, there is this movie that is like being played in theaters that has you handing off the baton to your son as the next great writer. Like that's a lot for this kid, <laughs> but he's already lived up to it. I mean, he's what two world championships, world cup win. I mean, I, I don't think anybody can say now he can, do whatever he wants. I mean, I'm sure he, he seems to love cycling. You know, he's going to be racing a lot more on the road with, uh, Lidl track. So I, I, yeah, I, but it's not like he's a, he's a flame out, right? I mean, I think he's already proven that he's had, a, he, he's done more in his elite career that many other racers have never achieved, which is win a world cup. So right there, it's like, check that box. It's sort of like my six. It's exactly the same as me getting six shots on one lap. This, <laughs> they, they are equal. In important box check, box check. <laughs> <laughs> they are. It's it's like winning a World Cup, Bill. I agree. I, I feel agree. like I won a World Cup yeah. out there. Uh, I mean, I think like to to kind of like come full circle with my intro to talking about this. Four out of the five top five riders were all lions. I think this was the day for the Balawas Trek Lions and one alum. Ailey used to be a. He started as a lion, so he's an alum. Oh, is that do, do they do they get to take credit for Tom Pitcock too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he was he he oh. was out getting a flat at a gravel race, right? Uh, Skipping this week. Yeah, I mean, like I, it was just a great day for for them, and I think you know, like I think if people are going to know someone and know a storyline, I think it was knowing the story of Thibaut Ness. Like that crowd is you know, generally speaking, a knowledgeable crowd. There's a lot of Trek employees or Trek adjacent people or Trek adjacent, adjacent people there. And uh, yeah, just really cool. I mean, Ron Har race, great uh, second career elite uh, podium for him in a world cup. Had to look that up. I think he did it uh best in 2021. And, you know, Joris Neuenhaus, uh, again, I was hyping him uh, in the uh, the pre-race podcast. Um, you know, a rider who's still only 27, and he's on the up and up, fourth place, great ride for him. And then, I mean, really, you know, kudos to Lars. Like, I, you know what, like... It's just what it's what you love about Lars. I, he's like the most lovable man. In it didn't look like it was going to happen, did it? Uh, he missed his pedal or something. He was way back. I mean, you were just like, oh, like groups are coming through at, at the end of the first lap, and you're like, yeah, because I was watching it back. I'm like, Lars is way back. And then, like you look at like Bill, you can attest to this. Some of the riders that you have with with him in photos, you're like, wait, this guy finished fifth? Like, oh yeah, no, wild. he was he was in the. Uh... Ruye, Strohmeyer, Don Sota group there for a while. Yeah, so I mean, like, kudos to him and his mustache for for really gutting it out. And I think, 
you know, I think of all people, I think he knows the importance of doing that. I, I think Lars would do it anyway, right? That's why we love him. That's why he's the consummate teammate. But it was it was still cool to see the Lions standing there and after Tebow won, them cheering and going nuts for each of the, the Lions as they came through and celebrating at the end. I thought that was really cool. And my point is, they deserve this. They deserve this so much. I don't think you could write a better storyline than Tebow Ness winning the Waterloo World Cup, ending Elizabeth's streak, and finally getting another win for the Lions in Waterloo. A perfect story. Perfect story. Yeah, for sure. I have a question. This is a, uh, what is it, the oh, let's overanalyze Hogerheide result question preseason version? Okay. Mikey V? What I was do, thinking wh- the same thing. Uh, he did not, he looked rough. This is a guy we've we've depended on in the last couple seasons to be, you know, one of the sauces there at the at the at the front of the the race. Um, what do you think, Michael? Is it, are we, are, we, are the sauces as the sauce the sauce group um, crew uh, getting broken up? Has the, has the, has the sauce bucket dried up? No, I think I think we're we're okay. I I think it's I'm gonna call the too early to say card for Mikey V. We know he we know he wins big races. He comes out for the big events. Um, this is not preseason build. This is World Cup, so so a big event. But he's got you know he's got Euros on his mind. He's got he's got other things. Is uh is Ryan Camp feeling the feeling the pressure to you know to to start start getting those results? I think so. So Michael, I've read your Twitter. And there's, there's, there's been a long history uh, on this podcast. I think this was born back during the pandemic in, in 2020. Um, there's a certain word we might want to assign to a certain performance. Uh, yeah, you ready, are you ready to call it, Zach? Are you... uh, no, I'm, I'm leaving it up to you, my friend. Uh, you are the arbiter of said word, and then I give my opinion on it and sometimes I'm kind of a jerk about it. All right. So, are, are you hit me? I'm What's 100% in on Timmy the Tebow Nice making a big statement <laughs> at Waterloo World Cup. You know what? I'm going to shock the media pit nation. I agree 100%. You are absolutely right. I mean, How could he you came not? in. How could you the way not he agree? has come into this season, this is a shot across the bow. This is like I am here, and this is. I mean, frankly, it's a, it's a sign to the sauces and everyone else out there that like I'm legit. I'm here to play. I agree. Statement race. You know, in the uh, uh, like the state of the nation, where the president always releases the his his statement beforehand. That that was Berenjin. Berenjin was the was the press agent sending out the statement a week before, saying, "Hey, here's what's happening in a week." Which so you, so your stories are ready. Here's what's happening, and then he he followed it up and he delivered. That's panache right there. Um, is it too? I mean, the next line of thought that everyone wants to talk about: Tebow winning two races. Three in a row, if you count him winning U23 Worlds, is he going to challenge the big three, the big two and a half? Pitters, in the country, where would Pitters fit into Waterloo World Cup last weekend? He would have, you know what, I think this is actually a great segue to the women's race. I think he would have made several boneheaded mistakes and not won the race. 
if I know Pitters and also having watched his last mountain bike race, he was going to, he would have, he would have just made several mistakes and he would have been like, Pitters should have won this race. I, that's what I think would have happened. That's a, that's a perfect segue because my thought on the women's race, my sort of main thesis beyond the hill being a factor and femme going up so fast is that while mountain bike skills are transferable to cross and maybe cross skills are transferable to mountain bike, they're still two totally different events and the two different ways of riding your bike. And less than a week on the cross bike was not enough for Puck to overcome Fem's extreme hot streaks he's on right now. I, I need to back up here just 30 seconds. Um, first of all, when I said state of the nation, I meant state of the union. And uh, second, what was the mountain bike race that you saw Tom Pitcock not doing great at? Well, no, he was um, the, the Mount St. Anne. He was losing. He, he didn't he make mistakes and he had to come back and win, but he won. <laughs> Damn it. He won the world cup race, but he made mistakes. <laughs> mistakes <laughs> were made. <laughs> he could. Bad so- analogy. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. I needed that. Thank you. You would have got we aim, that would have been we a big time call out. We aim for accuracy here at the media pit. And so I you know what? I'll give it to you. You self-corrected and then you corrected me. We're all good. Okay. I thought you were talking about him at Little Sugar, so that's what Little I was. Sugar was a different story, but that was not I don't think that's I don't think that's a cross equivalent. I think Mount St. Anne yeah. was 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 more of it. Uh, I think Tom Pitcock may have been right up there at the front of that race. So we won't know where no. little Tebow fits in with the rest of those folks to at least December. So we can prognosticate for another month or so. But when you say little Tebow, who are you comparing him to in that in that scenario? That's a good point. A little nice is probably what I meant to say. Um, okay. But obviously, he's okay. a smaller Tebow than the other one that you hate when I bring up. <laughs> I'm just not a Tim Tebow fan, that's all. I'm not I, a Tim Tebow fan either. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, that's what you want to go with. <laughs> I don't know. You know what, Tebow's. guys? I, I tried to transition to the to the elite women's race. Yeah. And I think <laughs> this is what the people come is, for, Zach. <laughs> and I think that this is just a perfect metaphor. This this uh, this uh this false start of a transition uh, I think is the perfect beautiful. metaphor for how the elite women's it, race started. You made up for saying Pitters did not do well at Mount Zainan. Kudos, Zach. Complete redemption. <laughs> that was a, that was an amazing thing to see. Um, that was... So, so, uh, so do, we, do we want to pull up the, the false start rule? What is was it? Was it a false start? I have no idea what. No, the official I don't make, was I don't, in the way. It wasn't a full. Well, do you know what happened? So well, I all I know she, is what Maria Larkin said on Twitter. So if, I mean, you guys were there. She said that she was going to blow the whistle in the next thirty seconds, and then the red light turned to green. And so, and she was still like standing there, and yeah. It, yeah so I mean. They could have said that either Femme or because there was no whistle, so all of them should have gone to the back if it was truly a false start. But I think it was more of a uh, malfunction or miscommunication between whoever was uh, triggering those lights and and, uh, 
the official and the the whistle and i don't i don't but world don't cups know. don't start on a whistle they right. start on the green lights like right. why were they introducing i don't I would, know that would drive that, me nuts i would be like as a racer i'd be like you can't do this this is insane like you can't be contradicting whatever it was, everything you know whoever d- triggered the the lights did not look to see that the official was out of the way first right she so, was yeah. right there it so was, it was a mulligan yeah. yeah. It was less of a false start and uh, more of a do-over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was trying to use the golf term for you, Bodie. Yeah, you call, you call that a, a breakfast ball, I think is what that's called. Um, <laughs> so, it's called a mulligan. What? <laughs> I, I called it a mulligan. He evidently doesn't like that term. <laughs> what? Breakfast ball? Well, I, sorry. You're the golf guy. Yeah, that's a Louisiana thing. Exactly. Exactly, guys. I'm hip to the new Instagram culture. So what should we say about this race, Zach? You're you're in the middle. I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna give it to you because you're in the middle of writing this report, so it's fresh in your head. You've you've mulled over this race and the best way to present it. That's a good question. I mean, I, I think again, I I tried my best to manifest a, a puck v femme battle. I think we did get some clarity. So there was some concern. There were many concerns. There were loads of concerns about like, is Puck even racing cyclocross anymore? Because she was left off the corn. It was a corn and Fenix, uh, whatever their team is now, um, the roster that Vanderpool and everyone else is on, but that's okay. It's okay. We learned that she has her own team. Uh, and so that she is a cyclocross racer. Uh, I, I would guess we won't see her for a bit cause she's probably kind of tired because she kind of accomplished a bunch but right. i think we will see more of her than maybe we were concerned about right i think people in like cross world but still we were trying to manifest the battle uh between femme Empel and puck petersa and it kind of happened but it really didn't i think one of the main reasons she was here was to unveil the uh, unveil that new kit like i i, I honestly think that was a big part of it and she was already in the country because right. of uh, mount saint anne uh but yeah, I, it was even starting from that. It was super cool that everyone came over. That we had Fem there. That we had Puck there. That we had um, Celine there. Uh, you, you know, th- th- that's that that didn't have to happen. You know, we may have been left with everyone just deciding that they were going to stay in Europe. Especially, well, I mean, Celine's been racing mountain bikes too. They've all had a full. Off, off season or, or non cross season. So it would not be unheard of if they all decided just to wait to start their cross season. So it was pretty cool that everyone, everyone came over. So I was stoked on that, but yeah, I don't know. It would have been nice to have one of those kind of classic femme puck battles, but um, we really didn't get that. Did we, Michael? Oh, we got it for about a lap and a half. Um, and you know, there was, as Puck said in her interview, she had not spent enough time on the mountain bike, uh, sorry, on the cross bike. And it was evident. I mean, just the way that I mean, even that one race tune up that Femme had a Berenjin, she was just, one thing I noticed about Femme is she accelerates in a way that doesn't seem like she's trying that hard. And it's very, you know, in that sort of means that you've, you're carrying momentum very well. You're sort of keeping it, you're taking the right lines and you're just going smoothly and you can, you can move quicker through turns and Puck mentioned that exactly as well. And it just, because of the way that course was in those conditions with the tricky, ruddy, muddy, like maybe slick, maybe not 
um, allowed for places for Puck to make mistakes. And Femme could capitalize on that and just right away, Femme said, I didn't attack. I just rode my own race. Um, and then we saw that Celine wasn't at the level in Berenjen to stay with Femme. And so she was behind Puck a few times when there were a couple incidents. And and that was kind of it. You know, that was, I think, third lap in. I said to my friends, race is over. Like, that, that, you know, and then that was it. You know, we had the podium. And of course, hearing, looking at, you know, lap times and sort of trying to like guess, it sounds like there was actually some racing going on. Um, and maybe the fourth, fifth, sixth spot that we didn't get to see. So I was curious if you guys got to see any of that. Um, see, because Magalie Rochette in fourth place. Yeah, so she, it was really weird. Like, I, so I, I talked to her, um, and I'm hoping that it makes it into my race report. If you're, you know, if you looking for what she has to say, subscribe to the bulletin. Um, you know, I, I, I talked to her after the race and I was looking back. Uh, she made the decision in the first lap on that corner bill right before pit one. Uh, you know, she dismounted. So some riders were dismounting and I think she actually lost space there. So as you, you know, if you dismount, it then goes into the power climb to the top of the hill. I think she just got kind of shuffled back. Um, talking to her, she said, I, I don't know if I could quote this right without going to my audio, um, but she said about her race, like, I'm pretty excited, but grrr, I could have beaten Celine. I think that you know, I don't know if it made it into it because we were trying to shuffle through the World Cup talk, but I think this was a big moment for her to prove to herself. I think it was really to prove to herself where she was. I think she looks at fitness of Val de Soleil 2021 and Besson 2021, and she knows she can be at that level. And, you know, last year was obviously a big hiccup. USCX wasn't really challenged. Um, so she didn't know. And this was her opportunity to be like, am I better than Manenbacher? Yes. Did I... Did I beat Zoe back? Said yes. You know, and I think the next level up, you're looking at, she know, she's not going to be on the level of feminine puck. Like, we're looking at generational talents, but like Emery Worst, Selena Alvarado. I mean, we're talking like, can she podium in these races in Europe? And I think that's where she wanted to be. So I was like, I was like, how do I, tra- how do I, how, how do I spell that in, you know, in, in French, the grrr, but that was like literally her quote. And so I think she's excited. I think she knows she could have ridden better, but I, I think that also, it would have been cool to see if she could have stayed with Celine because I think that would have been a huge for her. I think it would have been huge for North American cyclocross fans to be like, yeah, like Megley Rochette is legit back. And I I think she's going to do good things. She's talked a lot about how tired she was, um, just overtraining, never taking a break. And, you know, we talked about like maybe will it be good for her to have this illness to just get off the bike and get out of that routine. And it sounds like. I don't know. It sounds like she's looking fresh. She's feeling fresh. And what I saw from her at Trek verified the dominance that we saw at the USCX. And the 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 feeling I had that I think Megaly Rochette truly is back. Yeah, I, I I think she she looked good there. And that was, I mean, Michael. Yeah, there was some some tight racing there. Uh, right, she did beat Zoe and Manon, who I feel like have been racing each other every week now for what seems like months, even though it's been just two weekends. Uh, <laughs> Clara, Clara had a decent race. She was the uh, seventh seventh place. Uh, Isabella Holm, Holmgren's been doing a lot of these races, you know, at, at 18 years old, uh, the world champ um, in eighth place. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned it before, Zach, a, a name to watch, Leonie Betfeld um, in uh, ninth place, another – young rider 
I don't know. I mean, what else? What else to say about about this women's race? Yeah, I mean, I think like we. I, I don't know. I just we hoped. We really hoped that there would be the hype, and it kind of didn't live up to it. It was still. It was still a good race. I mean, there were some some good stories, but I think I think it was just for all of us who are cyclocross fans. We were like, it was. they're the two best riders and we were all in on like, this needs to be a battle between them. And it, it wasn't, you know, and I, I don't, I don't know if there's getting past that. Um, you know, it was great to see the world champ. I mean, (laughs) looks really good. I, their star power was evident. Uh, great to see, um, fun chatting with them, uh, after the race. And this is the first to get, to get to talk to, I think both of those riders. So that for me personally, it was pretty cool. I can say that I've, I've interviewed them now. So, but yeah, I, we built it up and it just, didn't happen. I think uh, it was nice to notice, though, Puck in her interview, you know, was excited to be in the States and talked about the fans saying her name. And she joked on her YouTube, I think that, like, you know, everybody still recognizes me, even though I'm in a, a different jersey. It's like, okay, Puck. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most recognizable riders uh, in the scene. Um, I thought it was interesting, too, though, the... I don't know who the guy is, the UCI, whoever's asking questions for the broadcast, asked um, the writers post-race, are you happy to be here? Which I thought was an interesting way to ask that question. I, I could see myself saying, how are you enjoying the States? Or how do you enjoy like coming to America? But the question is, are you happy? Almost like, and I hate to say this, but like looking for that narrative that we talk about every year about them not liking to come. And it just, it is sort of is rote at this point. But I appreciate that all the riders are like, yeah, it's great. Like, I enjoy being here. Yeah, I'm having a good time. I had a good race. Like, yeah, this is what I do. I, I just feel like they're sort of like not, and, and it might be a different way. It might be a second language. You're asking that question. It comes out differently. Maybe the Dutch are more direct, but it's just, I, I thought, thought that was notable. They love it here. I mean, then they always talk about how the Americans cheer for everybody and that there's no, that they just cheer. They're, that's what they talk about. They're like, everyone was cheering for me and for everyone. And it's noticeable and they all love it. I mean, I, you know, Femme brought it up. I didn't even ask. She was just like, I love it. This was great. This was, you know, the crowd here was great. I really enjoyed this. And, you know, I asked Puck about it too. And I, I jokingly, I was like, do you notice you have more fans, you know, now that you're the cyclocross person who's crushing it at mountain bike? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I think so, actually. <laughs> so, you know, kind of that. Because I was like, everyone in America is a huge Puck Peterson mountain bike fan because, you know, you're ours. And she was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So, you know, I think she noticed that there's some of that. But they love it every single year. I mean, even Denise Betsema, I remember in 2021 when we hated her, she was like, this is the best thing ever. She loved it. She had a blast. She loved America. Like, They'll love it. You're not going to be, no one's going to be like, yeah, I don't want to be. Maybe Vanderpool. I bet in 2017, Vanderpool would have been like, I'm so over this. Also, Sonicant hated it here. Like, she, Sonicant legitimately hated coming to America. Um, but other than that, I feel like every other writer I've talked to for six, seven years now has been like, I love it. Yeah. Uh, just quickly, let's just talk a couple minutes just about how, how the Americans did, if this is even a good barometer going forward. We've had the whole USCX, but it's been kind of, you know, hit or miss on who's being there. It's the first time we saw Clara. I thought she looked pretty good. Looked like she's uh, ready to race some cyclocross, Zach. What are you, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean... Um... <laughs> Tough to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, like, uh, how are... 
I don't know. How are those results consistent with like her previous work? I feel like she's typically in that six, seven zone. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess, I guess if we're going to compare just Americans, Lauren Zerner was the next highest American at 13th, seven minutes down. Raylan was 15th, 753 and, and on, on down from there. So, um, I just look at it's just weird because at this point of the season, we're already looking at Pan Ams, we're already looking at nationals, right? I mean, those are kind of what we're talking about with people doing gravel, people doing other things. Those are the races that we're going to see these people in. So, if, if you come into the season and thinking, okay, well, who's going to be the favorite? I think that at least from this very small sample size, I will say, I will say this. I so two years ago at nationals, I think. Claire won by like three minutes and like last year Raylan Nuss had a great year and I think she cut the deficit down to a minute and a half I think in terms of what we've seen from the elite women and where they're at Claire might win nationals by four or five minutes like I if if that's the barometer you're looking for I mean like good result you know other riders uh, some aren't racing this year some don't have the you know Raylan Nuss will be the first to tell you her fitness isn't anywhere near where it was last year and I mean I think we're (laughs) right now it looks like uh barring a disaster it's gonna be a pretty dominant win for Clara and in Louisville in a couple months yeah men's side they they were kind of you know you had uh Strohmeyer in 12th and then the rest of the Americans were kind of bunched up together Bruner in 16th Four minutes down, uh, I think Bruner had some, was it a chain? Yeah, some chain issues that may have, he may have been able to do a little better than that, but some mechanical issues. Uh, Jack Spranger was 17th, Scott Funston 18th, I mean 19th, um, uh, Caleb was 20th, Curtis 21st, I think Curtis had one or two flats uh, during that race that sort of held him up as as well, so... I don't know. I, 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 you know, that's more of a crapshoot about who's doing well. I think some mechanicals and other things played into it, but um, I was. Bill, what do you what do you think about Andrew? Twelfth place, World I've, Cup, got to be his highest, right? In an elite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Uh, I think that's his only uh, World Cup elite. Um, I think that it is. In the range of where he's satisfied finishing, meaning okay. I think that yeah. um, you know there there are guys he's beaten Loris Rouillet who's finished in front of him. So I think I think that he could see he could look. I I don't want to put words into his mouth, but I think just talking to him, he's he's looking at this analytically and thinking I could have been higher than that. I'm not disappointed with this the result, but he's not going to be like you know jumping up and down and ecstatic about it either. I guess I'll say this. I think like as someone who is invested, I. I I like literally every person who races cyclocross, you know, Bill, we cover them. We want to see them succeed. And I think we're in an interesting point here on the media pit podcast because we treat them kind of as professionals, but we're also like, we talk to them as like borderline friends at time. And I think we want to see them do well. And I, I, I guess I, why I'm excited about Megley Rochette still finishing fourth, why I love Bruner finishing fourth last year at the Fayetteville World Cup is I think these races do provide an opportunity for riders to meet the moment, to step up and do something special. And so, uh, you know, especially to our, our guys, and that's, I guess, maybe in, you know, with the talking about Clara finishing seventh, it's like, man, that's 
it's nothing special. I mean, it's a, it's a result. She beat people she should beat. But like, I like the idea of riders stepping up to meet the moment. And I think for a North American cyclocross, like I desperately want to see that. I want to see Andrew Stromar sixth at Tabor. I want to see, you know, I want to see um, Isabella and Ava going one to at Worlds. And so, you know, it's just hard to like, you know, like you said, Andrew was like, yeah, to eighth. Well, that'd be something to talk about. You know, I think that would be a huge step. And so I don't, it's a mentality. It's obviously challenging. There's a lot of euros. They're really good. But I think it's just what I want to see is like people who step up and meet the moment and when they're presented with opportunities, seize them. So I guess that's what I'm looking for. And so, you know, talking about these results, it's kind of like, eh, the results. Um, and that's why I think it was so exciting when Bruner finished fourth last year. It was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yes. That's why I was excited about Bruner going head to head with Yoris. Like, I mean, there was an opportunity to do it and he met the moment. He raced against a dude who finished fourth in a World Cup, you know? So I guess that's what I'm looking for um, in my role as a media pit person. No, I, I think that, and I think that's fair. I think we can we can expect more from these athletes because we think that they have the ability to to, to do more. So that's uh, nothing, nothing wrong with that. I will say, you know, we talked about Tebow uh, riding the um loading dock hill uh the loading dock hill riding podium would be Thibaut, <laughs> loris ruye and uh andrew strohmeyer i think those are the three uh three who um successfully uh did it i like that and they should have had a podium on top of the hill that'd been great well i mean they're given like even in like the tour isn't there like strava koms now that they're talking about so you know yeah, we can do it. We can have like you like have a climbers, hill climb preem. Yeah, you can have exactly physical challenge preem. You know, you sort of ride the run up uh, uh, preem. Um, wait, one handed one handed bike hoist uh, celebration preem. Speaking of Tebow, Tebow came out with the um, the big goggles on the podium. How we feeling? Hundred percent sponsor. <laughs> It's a look. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I was a huge fan when Sagan did it, but I get it. Like maybe, maybe he thought there'd be champagne. <laughs> okay, that's actually good. All right, I, I like that you've 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 helped me embrace. So there it was actually more. there was I mean, there was actually some fun podium shenanigans. I mean, I you know my position on podiums. Um, I think Bill has set a new standard with that sick photo that you took. I'm just like, okay, so maybe it's like time to get creative with the photos, but eh, podiums are whatever to me. But there were some fun shenanigans. Uh, Puck Peterson, of course, runs out and grabs the mic, and she's like, Celine is going to throw her flowers into the crowd, like wedding style. <laughs> so she like grabs the mic, counts it down, and Celine back over her head throws her flowers into the crowd uh but then i think tebow jumped on the mic and who caught him uh there was a woman caught i have a i have the sequence i just have to um gift the sequence together oh perfect okay Okay, good uh and then i think tebow grabbed the mic and thanked everyone for being there so i i actually like this development of athletes uh doing a kanye west and i'm gonna let you finish and grabbing the mic and adding some spice to the uh to the podium finishes so you know, folks, domestically, internationally, I'm issuing a challenge. Make the podiums more interesting. And I think you have a great template of how to do that. I, I Of the podium, of the podiums, like, should we just name it? I mean, is Puck Peterson already the GOAT? It's pretty good. Oh, for <laughs> sure. I mean, it, the selfies. You know, I, I, think that, I think that if we had to, if we had 
to sort of do a uh, kind of like a bracket. I think in your final two, you got to put Sep and Puck together. I mean, they need they need a podium face off, especially with the champagne drinking. I think that that would that would kind of be the. <laughs> Unfortunately, Beignet Gourmet would have got, he would have lost in the first round because he shot himself in the eye with his champagne bottle. Oh, jeez. That's right. And then couldn't race, right? Yeah. Wasn't he like out? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry <laughs> to bring that up, but just podium <laughs> shenanigans. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Or Vanderpool not wanting to put on the jersey out in the first round. I mean, Sorry. Anton would be a 16 seed. <laughs> And not not like a UMBC 16 seed. He's one of those ones that somehow won their conference tournament at 14 and 18. <laughs> Lose the play in. <laughs> All right. Should we end it there? I think so. Um, I think uh, I'm, I'm pressuring. I'm, 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 I'm just putting it out there. Zach, Zach said he's thinking about going to Cincy. So I'm just saying that Zach will be at Cincy. I'll, I'll be there. Um, Bodie, you want to come on up? Sure, I think that it's what is it only like an eight-hour drive for me? Nine? It's not very well, far. Well, to to put this in perspective, so my 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 plan for this weekend is I was going to drive eight hours to go to Lincoln. Number one and number two, Wisconsin against Nebraska in volleyball. And I, if I do come to Cincy, I am passing up the opportunity. And it's truly like Nebraska is one of the best venues for watching volleyball in the country. Two best teams in the country, my beloved Badgers. I'm passing that up. I'm going to Cincy. Just know that. Just know that. Also, it's like it's a little bit closer. All right. <laughs> I thought Cincinnati. I actually thought Cincy was way farther away, and someone brought it to my attention that's only like a four and a half hour drive. So I can just come down on Saturday, go to the race, go Sunday, and go back home. Um, but I will be preoccupied. Uh, there won't be a race report on. There will not be a race report on Sunday because I will be watching the number one Wisconsin Badgers play Nebraska on TV. If you just if you decide to go drive to the volleyball, can you get media credentials? Yes, I would be able to. All right, but I'm uh, gonna, I'm gonna come to Cincy. You are, you 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 get the you get the hall pass if okay. you want to go. Okay, want to go volleyball. I think I'll come to Cincy though. We'll get a cover. Yeah, I think okay. it'll be a good weekend. Curtis is going to be there. Claire's going to be there. I've never been. I feel like, you know, Indy. I'm 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 dusting off the OVCX races I've never been to. I did it. I did Indy. Uh, I'm gonna. I've never been to Cincinnati, and you know, Julie Herman and Scott Herman are two of the, like they're 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 podium of like best people in cyclocross. And they and they just get to hang out this year since they um are 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 retired from the uh, race organization. Oh, they are. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I did yeah, not know that. That's good. I'm sure they deserve that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They put in a lot of a lot of great years. Uh, so um, the other thing that's going on, I'm I'm gonna so lose my mantle of Bill Hates Juniors, and it's it's kind of like I'm kind of disappointed in this. I don't know. I don't know if I want to push this, but this is a junior selection race, also at Cincy, so we should have full fields. Well, we've had full fields. I don't want to start this conversation now, but I'll just put put it in y'all's minds. Uh, they, you know, wanted to have they they have to have a junior men's UCI race, right? That's mandatory, so they always have to have those at these UCI races. Thankfully, you know, the one thing that we do right, we're like, well, we're not just doing that, so we're going to have a women's junior race as well, even though it's not mandatory. So you have these two races. People have been showing up. And they've been big fields, and it's big, and and I don't think that all of the organizers were expecting that, and they're putting other fields with them, and it's kind of 
becoming a bit of a problem in both fields because these juniors are super fast and they're catching the masters and they're catching all of these other fields and they're, they're we're getting the stuff that we were having in the elite fields with lapped riders in these uh, world cups and other races is starting to happen in these junior races and i don't think it's fair for them i don't think it's fair that you have a uci race where they are uh winding through back markers in other categories to try to sprint it out for UCI points. So it's kind of, I, I, as an, I guess I am going to get into it as a race organizer. I understand the, the problem of only having so much space, but I think we're at a point with these junior races where they need their own, they need their own course time. Um, but all that to say Cincinnati, big race for juniors. I, what, what do you mean selection race? Can you explain that? For it is one that the uh, cyclocross selection committee for USA Cycling will take into consideration for worlds and okay for worlds. Okay, cool, good to know. Yeah. All right, so we ended there. This was fun. Um, we'll talk again after Cincinnati.